as I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him, look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me live my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. time brother mike van horn's going to come and speak for us and again i'm excited to have him he just happened to be up in the area we were able to kind of corral him in here at the last moment we weren't expecting and anticipating him being here today and uh, i'm excited because i certainly enjoy good preaching and i know god's going to bless us today but uh, um, i'm telling you he's just the lord has used him in such a mighty way over the last 25 years basically it's almost been 25 now has it only been 20 I kept thinking we, it was like two years or a year after we got together, but it was a little longer than that, huh? All right, 20 years. I, that's all right. He looks a lot older than that, doesn't he? But anyway, um, so <laughs> he's, I know I do. I understand that, okay? I, but I'm trying to deflect a little bit, okay, you know? Uh, actually, I was asking him, I said, man, how in the world do you keep that dark hair? That's amazing. He doesn't, hey, guys, listen, don't even go there. He doesn't treat his hair like you do. All right. This is not turning out well. I better turn it over to him, right? Amen. But he'll be back with us tonight, too. I hope and trust you'll be, plan on being here. Again, the choir will be singing. We'll have specials again. We're going to look forward to a great evening service. But boy, right now, the Lord's going to open up the windows of heaven, and he's just going to pour us out a blessing. Brother Mike Van Horn. Bless you. Amen. We just finished 20 years in uh, May of, uh, of this year. Of course, May 22nd. Uh, it was... Well, we were still in, you were still in the um, senior center when we first come by. We came by with Pastor Lucas, so, and you folks have faithfully supported us for so many years. We can't thank you enough. My wife's right back there in the white sweater. Go like this, honey. Amen. By far the best wife I've ever had. Amen. <laughs> I, I'm planning on keeping her, so I hope she plans on that too. So, uh, anyhow, turn your Bibles this morning to uh, Matthew chapter number 14, um, I love my morning time with the Lord. 
it's, it's early in the morning. I'm an early riser. It doesn't seem like it matters what time I get to bed. My in, internal clock goes off about 4.30 or 5. And, and then I'm up and um, I'm in the book. It's quiet. Amen. Um, I think uh, it's, it's a time when I don't have to worry about anything other than to make sure the coffee pot's working. Amen. And as long as it's brewing, then, I, then I'm doing pretty good. Um, this morning I was... I was in Psalm chapter number 60, 1, 2, and 3, and my soul, how I enjoyed it. The Lord just filled my heart and talked about daily performing my vows and, and, and offering praise to the Lord. And, and when you read those, those particular verses or chapters, it, David was in the cave. He was running from Absalom, and he was singing praises. And that's a whole new, a whole different sermon, if you will, this morning, but I had all said, after Brother Kavanaugh called me, all set in my mind exactly what I thought the church needed this morning. And uh, uh, we're singing. And the Lord said something different. I know you hear preachers say that all the time, but this time it's the truth. Amen. (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, So what you're going to get this morning is something I have preached before, but I have not preached it in a long time. But I know the the topic, and I know the subject, which is Jesus. Amen. So if you found your place in Matthew chapter 14, if you'll stand with me, we'll begin reading in verse 13, and we'll read down till I stop. Amen. The Bible says this, thank God for my King James Bible. A lot of countries don't have the access that we do to them, but I praise the Lord I have one. When Jesus heard of it, of course, the slaying of his uh, childhood friend, or if you would, the, the baby in the womb of Elizabeth leaped when Mary showed up, so I believe they knew each other. Um, he had just been beheaded. And here we have Jesus saying this, when he had heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up into heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and his disciples to the multitude. Now listen to verse 20. And they did all eat and were filled And they took up the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. Father, we certainly do love you this morning. I thank you for Calvary, Lord. I thank you for the great testimony that Community Baptist Temple has here in this area in Akron, Ohio. But yet, Lord, around the world as their mission program has touched lives around this globe. Father, I pray this morning as we enter into a time of missions conference, usually, Lord, a time that's the least attended... But yet, Lord, we pray that you will take these services that, uh, that the men, the leadership staff has put together, and we pray that you will use them, first of all, to receive glory and honor. But secondly, Lord, to challenge each person here today, myself included, to do more for you. 
And we love you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. I do like to read. I just finished. I picked up a little book. I walked into my dad's library yesterday and was looking around. I often do just look through the different titles and see if there's something that catches my mind. Well, I come across this wee little book uh, entitled From Prison to Praise. So if it has something to do with prison, it usually sparks my interest. And I picked up that little book and and, and began to read it and began to apply. It was one of those little books you just can't put down. And, and I, I appreciated that book and how this, this man of God came from the prison house and, and he learned who Jesus Christ was and he, he learned the power of praise and he, he began to, to apply the power of praise not only in his own life but helping others to learn to praise the Lord Jesus as well. Well, here in our passage, uh, we have the Lord Jesus Christ and thank God for him and his testimony. Amen. Uh, Christ has, has just heard some bad news. Of course, we know he was 100% man as well as a 100% God. We, we know that he wept when Lazarus died, so we know that he felt emotions. And here John the Baptist had just been murdered for his faith. And, and the Bible teaches that he, he was going to a desert place. And, and, and preacher, I, I would imagine that Jesus wanted to just maybe step aside somewhere and, and just go and spend some time with the Father and, and just pray and and maybe even be comforted in his physical self as well. But as the man of God is, that Jesus is, that just didn't take place. Had too much to do. Uh, your pastor came up to me today and he, he walked over. I think he was a little, uh, um, not humbled or upset or whatever, but he just, he wanted to be able to spend time with me. But He's got a funeral to go preach. He, he's got a bus route that he's working on. He, he, he has a, a class that he had to teach, and, and he has this entire staff to take care of. I said, preacher, it's okay. I said, we'll have all eternity to hang out. Let's get the job done, amen. Jesus had a job to do here, and so did the disciples. And I, I read a book several years ago by Warren Wearsby. I just do. I just love to read. I don't get to read near as much. I spend a lot of time writing now. I'm enjoying doing the writing. But uh, I picked up a book by Warren Wearsby. It's not the Beatitude series, but it's this little book called On Being a Servant. Warren Wearsby, a great preacher of old, said this statement. He said, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. Ministry, can I tell you something tonight, today? Your mission program will take place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. First of all, in, in, in our Bible, in Matthew, I want you to see this first thought that you must know the divine resource personally. Here these men are, okay, they're the disciples. When you study the Bible, you'll see that they've already witnessed the Lord Jesus Christ um, giving a, a lame man his legs back. They, they already witnessed a, a deaf person receiving their, their hearing again. They, they already personally witnessed a blind getting their sight. And even at, by this time in the passage, they already witnessed Jesus raising someone from the dead. Now those are some pretty tough miracles, aren't they? And here we have the disciples, of course, Jesus moved with compassion, and that should drive us. It really should drive us. You know, we, uh, the one uh, illustration, if I can give you today, and, and honestly, uh, it was one of those things at the end of his book where they, they wrote a little ex, excerpt of the book 
of his next book that he was getting ready to write, which I've already ordered it because he only told me the beginning part, but I know how it ends because I've read the first, uh, uh, the many different illustrations from the first book, but he talked about this little girl coming into his office. He's a chaplain. He's got an army soldier there. The soldier, the, the little girl was all dirty and filthy and, and stringy hair and just, just a total mess. Her eyes were all uh, wrung out with crying and she was totally just in a, in a great array. And he said in his heart, he said, how can I love this? It's so filthy, it's so dirty. But the Lord spoke to his heart. That's what I like about my morning times. Can I tell you this church, it teaches you to listen to his voice. And I believe I'll be glad when I see Jesus today that I listen to his voice sitting down there and preach that this morning. But this man of God would say that that I just didn't even want to talk to her, let alone work with her, but Jesus spoke to his heart and said, I loved you when you were in that condition. And he automatically began to feel the love of Christ radiate from him, and he began to have such a burden and a passion to touch that soul. Those around us are lost and dying. We get so crazy busy in our life. We, for, we think the mission field is the world, and it is. But the mission field starts at your neighbor's house. The mission field starts at McDonald's. It starts at the bank. It starts at the hardware, hardware store. The mission field is everywhere. When I learned the fact that I don't have to be in prison to be a missionary, I just get the privilege of having churches help pay me so I can go be a missionary everywhere I go. I just love to tell people about the Lord. Of course, yes, my field is the prisons. Uh, and the world, really. But here we have the disciples that had spent that much time with Jesus, but yet they didn't think he could feed a few thousand people. You, you know, I challenge you. I've been writing, and this I've really enjoyed this. I send out little devotions. They're about 350 words. Some months I'll get two written. Some months I'll get 15 written. But I started with the letter A, and I began to write uh, uh, little devotions, about 350 words of, of the names of Jesus, the different descriptive names of Jesus. And can I tell you something? When you begin to study just the different names of Jesus, you become to know the person Jesus a whole lot closer. You begin to know who he is. You begin to, to see how those descriptive names describe his love and his actions and, and how you can apply each one of them primarily to tell someone how to go to heaven. <laughs> That's our job, isn't it? Here we have these disciples, and, and, and there's a, a big problem that's arose. And isn't that usually what stops us? We, we think God can't handle the, the little problems as well as the big ones, right? I, I like to get him involved in everything. There's a book by Lee Strobel that I read. It's called A Case for Christ. Now, some of you may have seen the Hollywood version. Uh, just put that CD or DVD in the trash can and get the book because it is extremely detailed. Lee Strobel, investigative reporter for the Chicago Tribune, one of the oldest newspapers in America, living his life. He, he, uh, him and his wife were both atheists, just having a good time. Not bad people, good people, but just enjoying their life as they thought they could. And all of a sudden, something happened to his wife. A soul winner showed up, amen. Told her how to get saved, told her how to get born again. And he said this, he said, her life changed so drastically that I set out to use my investigative skills to prove to that woman that that Jesus she's following is a phony and a fake. He began to investigate him archaeologically, biblically, theologically. Can I tell you, when I read the medical chapter, I wept. 
But of course, at the end of the book, Mr. Strobel said, there was no doubt after my investigations were through, I knew who he was. But then you know what he said? And it's exactly truth. It's biblical. He had to humble himself, pray, and receive the forgiveness. The Bible says that the devils believe and tremble, amen. They know who he is. Many people in the world know who Jesus Christ is. Many different religions will just add Jesus Christ to their little shelf of gods and and hope and pray that it's all good enough. But until we clear the mantle and put Jesus Christ right in the middle by repentance and faith in Christ, we're lost on our way to a sinner's hell. I hope you know Jesus today. I hope you know his love. You want to know something that's awesome is just tell somebody uh, at the McDonald's or wherever, do you know Jesus loves you? It's great to watch the believer smile and the sinner squirm. Amen. The believers just love it. It gives them a great day. Uh, Paul and I were on our way from Washington, D.C., and uh, I was trying to get a visa for Nigeria. By the way, they denied it, so I won't be going to Nigeria on the 31st, as my prayer letter stated. We went in to see the Flight 93 crash site. Has anybody visited that? It's an amazing place. Forty American heroes that saved Capitol Hill. Literally. They risked, well, they knew their lives were pretty much over to begin with, but instead of sitting back there doing nothing, they did something. Jesus is coming. Hell is for sure for the sinner, and we've got to just do something. Well, I love veterans, and I love witnessing to veterans, and an old boy in a World War II hat. I walked over and shook his hand. I said, sir, thank you for giving me a free American. You are uh, the the man and and you are the type of man that gave me a country that is free and and a country where I could live in that was safe. And I shook his hand. And and then I asked him if he was a Christian. He said he was. He was born again. He said he knew and loved the Lord. I said, amen, brother. That's great. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I just prayed with him. And he got this great big smile on his face, preacher. And he said, You're the kind of people that make today a good day. And I thought, I thought, that's what people need to see out of us. They need to see Jesus in us so they desire what we have. These disciples didn't have a clue what was going on. They were standing right beside the creator of the universe, the one that made the fish, the one that could pay his taxes out of the mouth of a fish. How many like go fishing in that pond? Hallelujah. I know I would. And here they are with a little problem, and they just want it to go away. Can I tell you something? Get to know Jesus. And, And spend time praising him, because the more you praise him, the more you'll know him. Because he inhabits our praise, the Bible says. He hangs out in our praise. I don't think he hangs out in your complaining. I don't think he hangs out in a murmurer's heart. I think he hangs out when someone that can just have a real bad day and praise the Lord in spite of it. Amen. And look for a situation to use that problem as a way to tell a sinner about the Savior. Secondly... We need to see the human need compassionately. The Bible says in Proverbs 21, 13, Whoso stoppeth his ear at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. You ought to read a a chapter of Proverbs every day of your life. I challenge, as 
I would give a prescription today from the pulpit to read five chapters of Psalms every day of your life. I can honestly say and I can believe I can go back to 20 years ago when I began reading Psalms and Proverbs daily. I believe that those two books have molded me into the Christian and the preacher I am today. Those two books alone, of course, I love the, God, I love the entire Bible. I read it all the time. But it, I really believe in those early morning hours as I read those books and learn the history of our world and, and, and as, as it's rehearsed. And then God's man, David, a man after God's own heart. And, and to hear him and his emotions and his, his joy and his praise. And, uh, and then to get the wisdom from his son, King Solomon, uh, just really... It's a driving factor in my life. Proverbs is an amazing book. But it says, if you'll stop your ear at the cry of the poor. You stop your ear at the cry of the world. It's not going to be good. The world's crying. There's help. Missionaries are in, in dire need of help. I was sitting right down there and I was sitting, sitting listening to the singing and a thought just came to my mind that I believe prosperity has been the biggest enemy of the gospel. You say, wait a minute, it takes money to build these churches. It takes money to send missionaries. Yeah, it does. But it seems like when that person is fighting and struggling to make their monthly payments, it seems like that person that gets on their knees and begs God to give them a good day and begs God to, to help them have the strength to go to work. It seems like those people that work and labor and just have little are the ones that give much. We saw it in the, in the testimony when the widow would come in and cast her two mites and the, the rich man would throw in his little tip and he'd tip God and, and God would tell the disciples that that woman gave more than that rich man ever thought about giving. I think prosperity is the biggest enemy of the gospel. We get, begin, to, begin to love that money. Lord, you help me today. I, I want to see if I can find that psalm this morning that I read. I can, 62.10, trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. I'm glad I read that this morning. Don't set your heart on the riches unless you've got one plan to use those riches for the glory of God. Man, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of a Lee um, a Letourneau. Letourneau's his last name. He's the inventor of the bulldozer. I, I read his book, The Movers of Men and Mountains. What a great, incredible book. A, a lost man, and he's, he's out there working hard and, and goes broke and gets rich and goes broke and gets rich. And somewhere in the middle of it, he calls on Christ, gets saved. He began to make multi, multi, multi millions of dollars. And, and he set out to give God 90% of everything he made. And he kept 10 him and his precious wife, they were sitting around and she said, but leave, but I can't remember his name, his first name, but Laterno, we'll just call him his last name. He said, what in the world are we going to do with 10% of all that money? So they committed to give 10% of their, or 90% of their 10%. Started foundations, started Bible colleges, bought Bibles and literature, sent it around the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. But they saw the need. They saw the need instead of the money. 
The disciples had great compassion, didn't they? When it was evening in verse 15, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. A time has now passed. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. <laughs> you know what I think? I've been around enough Baptist preachers. I think them preachers were thinking, let's see, five fish and two loaves. We could split it up six ways. We could each get our belly full and get a good night's sleep. Amen. But Jesus said, wait a minute. He, he, he said, wait a minute. Let's help take care of this problem. I think Philippians 4 and 5 would help us with that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. We need to have the mind of Christ. The more we know about him, the more we can have his Christ. We need to see the men to be born again. For the Lord's not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. But as long suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but all should come under repentance. I think we should see, uh, I think we should see uh, the need to love our church. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Love the church. Love the leaders of the church. Do what you can for the church. But... I think he also was teaching us how to handle trials and tribulations, wasn't he? Um, Warren Wiersbe said this, God often allows problems to come into your life so you will learn how to depend upon his power and not on our own resources. Powerful statement. I I can kind of... feel old Brother Peter here and John as they were going into the synagogues and... This poor old beggar stuck his hand out and said, just give me some money. He's just looking for a biscuit, wasn't he? And Peter said, silver and gold, have I none? And I can imagine the guy said, well, what are you doing over here talking to me then if you're as broke as I am? <laughs> but he said, such as I have, I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Arise up and walk. He gave him the ability to cook his own biscuits, didn't he? To go buy his own flour and, and oil. He, he, he gave that man Jesus. We have Jesus if you're born again today, and we must share him with the world. It's our job. It's our duty as Christians. But then we can become channels of God's mighty blessings. I stand amazed. I look at this place, and I see how God's allowed your preacher to to have a vision. Don't ever blame a man for a vision. Amen. And now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think, amen, according to the power of the work is in us. You know the cool thing about that verse? He put no limitations on what we think. No limitations on what we ask. If you have a little God, ask little. But I got a God that's pretty big, amen. And if the Lord lets me sometime this week, maybe tonight, maybe Tuesday night, maybe Monday night, I'll just tell you how big God is. I found in my Bible you can measure him. Oh, yeah, it's pretty awesome. You'll have to come. I'm not sure which night I'll preach it, so you'll have to come all three. The disciples realized that they couldn't do it, but they were standing beside the divine resource. They were standing beside the creator of the universe. And you know what they got to do? They got to become a distributor of his divine resources. Look what the Bible says in, in uh, verse number 19. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up into heaven, he blessed and break. Now look what he says next. And he gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. He still, he still put the men to work. 
Now, he could have very easily, he's the one that calmed the seas. One preacher says, we've always got Jesus stepping out on the bow saying, peace be still. But he said, it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. And I began to look. I don't really think it does. He was probably still down in the bow after they woke him up. And he said, peace be still. And it went still. They stood beside the God of heaven right there, the creator of the universe. And watched them begin to just, I think they each just had a basket. I don't think there was a great big pile that they had to keep running back to. I think they each just had a basket and they began to walk. And, and just like the, the widow's uh, meal, meal barrel, they just continued to pull out and continued to pull out and continued to feed. And there was a lot of work. Could you imagine feeding, tw- feeding 5,000 men and the women and children? Could you imagine how much time it took? The Bible said it was filled, so you know they, didn't get, <laughs> they had to give doubles and, and uh, seconds and, and thirds. It's ministry's work, isn't it, preacher? Ministry's work. If you don't think ministry's work, just try sometime. It is work. We get tired. But God allowed those disciples to get the blessings of giving. Could you imagine if somebody came up to you today and said, Look, here's 500 $100 bills. I want you to give every one of them away today. <laughs> and he'd say, Okay, well, I'll give them to me first. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Well, could you imagine the joy it would be to walk up to somebody and say, hey, here, I just thought maybe you'd like this today. And to see the excitement that they would have to get that money, and they would think that you were some kind of a hero. And and, and you go and you give them out. And could you imagine the joy of giving that money away? I love giving money away. That's why my wife doesn't let me carry cash. (laughs) I'm I'm always giving my cash away. She you got any cash? I said, well, I'm not sure. I don't think I got any left. But Jesus will let you be a distributor of his divine resources. Just ask him what he will allow you to give. That's the problem. Most people won't ask what he'll allow you to give until you can get what you think you can give. Ask God to do some miracles. Brother Vlad, one of our, uh, uh, um, a member at one of our supporting churches, um, Cornerstone Baptist Church in Smyrna, Tennessee, the preacher had a, a businessman that said, Preacher, he says, uh, I will match all offerings that come in for your building program. And Brother Vlad went to pray and he said, God, he said, um, I, I want to get a different job. And he said, Lord, I want to make $1,000 a month more. And if you give me that job that makes $1,000 a month more, I'll give that $1,000 to the building program. Well, it didn't take long. I think it was two weeks and he got his job. But Brother David didn't make $1,000 extra. He made $2,000 extra. Now, I know you all looking at me funny like that does, stuff doesn't really happen. It couldn't happen to you. Well, the same Jesus that did that for him, the same Jesus that turned two fishes and five loaves into bread will do that for you if you only believe. You know why? Because he's concerned about the souls on each one of those continents. And we are all he has. And he'll use us. The disciples became the divine distributors or the distributors of the divine resources. You know, we're given the privilege to become the distributors of miracles too. Think about the miracle of salvation. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Amen. And we get the privilege to be a witness. What about the miracle of peace? Y'all remember when you, when you found out and you realized that, that Jesus Christ came into your life and that your sins have been forgiven? This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And glory to God, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Do you remember the peace that flooded your heart knowing you've been forgiven? Yes. 
knowing that you have a home in heaven? Well, if you don't remember that peace, you might want to go back to the day and, and just make sure that you got the same salvation I did. I found out my sins have been thrown as far as the east is from the west. I found out they're in the depths of the sea. They're in that depth. The deepest part of the sea that's been found is about 6.2 miles deep. Amen. Now, we put a man on the moon. He can walk on the moon, but there's never been a human being step foot 6.2 miles down deep in the depths of the sea. They'd be crushed by the pressure. And God said, I'll just put them down there where no man can go. Amen. What a God. What a Savior. We can give people peace all throughout that book from prison to praise. This army chaplain that served in the United States military in the Vietnam era would talk how sinner after sinner would come in and he would teach them the love of Christ and teach them to be born again and that you could trust Christ with your small problems as well as your big problems and the peace would be flooding in those people's hearts and testimony after testimony would come back years and months later how God had been giving them that peace and we can distribute that but we can also distribute the miracle of prosperity I love giving I do there's something called found money. There is that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. And there is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Go through your budget and see if you can find something that you can eliminate. I do challenge you this. If your mission giving does not exceed your entertainment, your cable bill, you might want to start there. Whew, gets quiet whenever I say that. And I only say it, honey, when the Lord tells me to. Amen. <laughs> That might not be a bad place to start. Uh, maybe our cell phone bill would be a good platform to, to start where we would give our mission pro in our, in our mission giving. I can't afford that, preacher. Well, you'd be amazed what you could afford. But Warren Wearsby talked about the found money theory. If you could go through your budget and cut something off instead of putting it in your pocket, put it in the plate. Amen. And it'd be a great blessing to you as well. But can I say this? We must do all of this for the glory of God. I'll tell you something. Sometimes being the pastor or being the preacher, being the man that, that gets the privilege to stand here and, and be in the limelight, if you will, the one that, that, that people think you're this great big superhero or a super giant or everybody loves to hear. It, it's not really that cool of a place to be in, if I can say it that way, because it seems like constantly trying to give the man praise and I appreciate that I do but I want the praise to go to the Lord if there's anything good in me it's because he's allowed me and I will say this I don't mind his goodness in my life I don't mind him allowing me to accomplish things we've got a Christian school being built in Cambodia right now we've got about I think there's about 12 or 13 kids already enrolled over there last year we saw 17,800 kids or people saved on the continent of Africa alone we have 55 national partners i believe it's even up a little bit more than that now 55 national men of god that we send money to and we support and we help uh see souls saved on 10 different countries in on the continent of africa and, and i begin to think about all these things Papua new guinea we're starting this this new prison ministry and bibles are being distributed and souls are being saved and i begin to think wow lord you have let me do so many great things but i don't want to touch the glory But I think people need to know that God could do that to you too. 
Can I tell you something today? Forget about the past. You can't. You could worry about it for a hundred years and never change one second of it. It's not how you take off. It's how you land. My daddy was 57 years old when he got called to preach. Took his first church at 60. Amen. I was 37. It's not how you take off. Just do something for God while you can. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything. Everything. I like to brag on my old Chevrolet pickup truck. This week it'll have 600,000 miles on it. And I always pick. You'll never get that out of a Ford. I just always pick just to get people... You know, preachers tell jokes about halfway through the sermon just to wake you up. But, uh, but I'll tell you something. It's, it's not Chevrolet. That's for sure. Last, when I was here three years ago, I'm just reminded my transmission went out. I literally had no reverse by the time I got there. It was barely creeped into the garage. Three years ago and about 120,000 miles, something like that. But it's just God. I've only lined the thing up one time, and that was when it had about 100,000 miles on it. And I get about 105,000 miles on a set of tires. I can let go of the wheel. It goes down the road. That's not Chevrolet, and that's not me. That's God. God gets the glory for everything. If there's a soul that I get to lead to the Lord, God gets the glory. Amen. I may have been the divine distributor of the miracle, but God is the man, the God behind the miracle. And he'll just allow us that privilege. One preacher said if you can explain it, God probably didn't do it. Amen. Sitting on an airplane heading over to Australia, witnessing to the fella sitting beside me. Now, that's a captive audience. They're not going anywhere. Except one fella. He came up. I had three seats. And, and I was sitting there all by myself. Next thing I know, he comes scooting in there and said, man, that lady back there. He said, I don't sit by her this whole flight. And I said, well, help yourself. I got to preaching to him. I preached to him for about a half an hour. He said he was a Christian. But I don't know if preaching will run you off. I'm not sure if you're a Christian. Anyhow, I got to preaching to him. And, and I got up and went back to go to the bathroom. And I come back and he gone. Uh, brother ricky he was with me he was laughing he said man he said that guy come walking back said that guy over there man he is a nut for jesus i'm getting out of here (laughs) but i got to lead one old boy to the lord on the plane going to australia and when i witnessed to him and preached he said man he says i love the ocean he says i'm gonna wait till i get to the ocean and go and get saved i said man that sounds like a great idea but i said are you sure this plane's gonna land safely So why don't you do it now and go to the ocean and praise him? And he did. We get to be a divine distributor. A divine distributor of his miracles. Well, when God gets the glory, people will see the Lord and not the servant. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You know what our churches are missing today? You know what our churches are missing today? Worship. If we would worship the Lord, not only in the song and and do you ever just get carried away in some of these songs? You know what I believe real worship when it becomes real is when you don't care what the lady sitting beside you thinks. When it's just you and him. I'm not a charismaniac. I get close sometimes. They call me Baptocostal every once in a while, but that's okay. 
Keep in mind while you're serving others, the Lord's serving you. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Amen. Heads are bowed this morning and eyes are closed. Nobody looking around this morning. If our gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. If you're in this room today and you're not 100% sure heaven would be your home, can I tell you how simple it is? The Bible says that if thou wilt believe in thine heart the Lord Jesus and believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He said, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You must believe that Jesus Christ is God. That Jesus came to this earth through the virgin birth of Mary. You must believe that he lived 33 and a half sinless years. And then you must believe he died on the old cross at Calvary only to raise three days later. That's the gospel. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. We believe because we want the righteousness of God to cover our sins. If you've never trusted Jesus by believing the gospel with a desire to live like him, if you have never prayed with the whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, then my friend, you're lost. You may be a lost church member. You may be a visitor in this room today that, that's been to church all your life or, or, or you do believe in Jesus, but you've never made it personal. Then, my dear friend, I challenge you today to make your way to an old-fashioned altar. Let one of these men, or if you're a lady, a lady will take their, their Bible and show you how you can know 100% for sure heaven will be your home. But you don't have to come to an old-fashioned altar. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wherever you are, you can pray, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my heart, forgive me, and help me to live a life that's pleasing to you and thanking him for dying on the cross for your sins. That, my friends, is the gospel. Maybe you're in this place today and, and you're not real sure what the Lord wants you to do in this mission program. Well, just come each night and let the Lord talk to you. Get up early in the morning and pray and ask God what he would have you to do. Maybe he just wants you to start with your neighbor. Maybe you're in this room and you've never joined the church or never been baptized. Whatever your need is today, our pastor is going to come after I make my prayer. And he's going to invite you to come to this old-fashioned altar. Would you stand with me? As I pray, Father, I love you today. I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the scripture that you've given me today to preach. Father, I'm so glad I don't have to make something up to try and convince men. Lord, I'm glad you wrote it and I just get to tell the people about it. Lord, I pray that you would bless this church now as they go into a, a business meeting for the souls of men. Lord, they'll make a decision this week how concerned they are about reaching souls around the world. So, Father, I pray that you'd please bless each person here, health needs, physical needs, spiritual needs. But help us to go away from this place praising your holy and blessed name. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen.